Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
That was a great song. And uh, we're back. Um, welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe on the Red Velvet Media Network. And um, today we have a special guest, uh, Tony Mann, who has an extensive background in pretty much everything that you could think of is in, in the um, entertainment art type background and it's amazing the people that he's worked with and and also I have my guest host with me today Spencer Drake who is a legendary music designer in the MoMA AIGA in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame archival collections and is designed now for uh, 25 Rock and Roll Fame um, inductees so um, I'm going to let him get into that a little more as we get into our interview but I wanted to say really quickly to everyone, this is um, our show before we go, our last show, before we go into the year 2018. And uh, I wanted to wish everyone a happy new year early because we won't be back on the year until after the new year. But um, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. And uh, just wanted to say to everyone out there, um Today's show is going to be very, very fun because Tony's awesome and uh, we've got Spencer. So I'm having a little difficulty opening the chat room for myself. So if anyone wants to join the chat room, you could do that now. And if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. And um, let's see what else. Uh, Let's just bring everyone in real quick into the studio. Let me bring my co-host in and also... Tony, you're there. Welcome. All right. Hello. Guys. Hello, everybody. Hey. That, a, that was a long <laughs> introduction, wasn't it? I know. I'm sorry, guys. But you know what? We we haven't been on the air for three weeks now, Spencer? Three weeks yeah, or four weeks? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. 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 I but had you, a have little, been, you have um, been doing this for, for 10 years. So congratulations. Yep. 10 years. Yeah, Holly, Holly's had her excited. show. For, yep. Holly's had her show for 10 years, and I joined her in 2010 and uh, on, on one of the shows with her. So she's had a long career. And it went on from there. And we decided, yeah, and I decided that yeah. we, we wanted, actually, the way that um, Spencer and I bounce off each other, we thought we could make a really good team doing a morning show for people who oh, yeah. drive right. to work. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> The stuff we talk about, let me tell you. But um, I'm telling you, no, right. but it's we're glad, Tony, that you're here, and I'm so glad that Spencer oh, was you. able to line the show up because um, Tony Man and, uh, is a very amazing, interesting background, and uh, that song "Surrender Your Gender" that we opened up with is something from that you, I'm going to have you explain. But you know what? Why don't okay. we get into really quickly? Yeah. And let everyone know let me this show that. will let me... be available. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Let me say real quick, um, and mm-hmm. I want to hear this because I know you're going to have some great stories. I want to say real quick, this show will be available afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media On Demand, so you can download it as a podcast if you want to listen fantastic. to it again or if you're tuning in late. Yeah. Okay, so Tony, tell me about Surrender Your Gender and go into it. Let's hear your background real quickly because okay. it's a All sound. Right. That it's song amazing. Is, um, go for it. That's actually a, a new release by the Jane County Five from the EP Here Come the Jane County Five. And the band right. is Jane County, formerly Wayne County, the first 
transgender rocker. Uh, myself on oh, drums. Yeah. Greta oh, Brinkman nice. on on bass. Greta Brinkman on bass. She played with Moby and all kinds of people. And mm-hmm. the guitar player is Peter Auslin, and he's also the engineer. Now, we recorded this about 15 years ago. It's just coming out now. And so it's good It's good to hear oh, that wow. I've just been in, in touch with Jane recently. Yeah. Um, Jane lives down in Atlanta, Georgia area. Hopefully going to be seeing mm-hmm. her soon. And uh, for anyone who's not from New York or not familiar with Jane or Wayne County, uh, she's a force of nature. And uh, in the you know original punk days, she was a DJ at Max's and was Wayne County. Oh, and nice. uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like Kiss, the first Kiss show in Manhattan ever was opening for Wayne County in the Brass at a wow. loft on Bleecker Street. So I'm honored to be able to work with uh, Jane County. She's one of the greatest rockers ever. And I played with her with She-Wolves and with Jane County 5. And we were in the movie. Uh, we played at the last Squeeze Box, which was a party that used to be at Don Hill's. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we were in the, sque- the Squeeze Box movie. You can see us uh, on YouTube playing with uh, Jane County 5, playing with uh, uh, at Squeeze Box for Don Hill. So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I have a, I have a pretty wide-ranging background musically, but basically I started playing with um, some bands when I was a real young kid, and then in high school I had a band called, I joined a band called Flying 69, the Flying 69, uh, and I was living at New Hampshire in, the, in New Hampshire in the time, and uh, we, we, uh, we ended up becoming um, Gigi Allen's backing band, and I played on a number of mm-hmm. recordings with Gigi, Gigi Allen. And uh, Flying 69 was a band that started by these guys up in New Hampshire, and I joined it. It was a three-piece. And it was very like like Motorhead, Ramones, hard rock, hard rock look and sound. And I joined the band, and then it became like Alice Cooper, Kiss, T-Rex, kind of like glam band and we're wearing costumes all of a sudden and everything oh, so that's I when that. i started doing doing co- costume design and we changed our name to electric monster and uh oh, i ended up I making like cl- yeah and i ended up and we we used to play in a uh, black light and turn the house lights off and play in black light and glow in the dark and uh, we had a real heavy sound and we were around for a number of years from from the you know early 80s until the late 90s and uh it was a three-piece, a very powerful band, and it influenced a lot of people locally. And if you were around New York in the 90s, you might have seen, like, giant six-foot posters for Electric Monster on the front of Trash and Vaudeville or around the East Village. We used to play the Cat Club and Limelight and all these places. And um, uh, I ended up making clothes for uh, Degeneration and working mm. for Degeneration, hanging up their posters because I was hanging up these six-foot posters for my band. And so I was like, yeah, I can hang up your posters easy, you know. So I would be doing postering, flyering. Uh, I would, you know, we would play shows with Degeneration at CBGB's, Continental, Toad's Place, lots of places. So they were friends of mine. And what happened is through that, Joey Ramone was a big fan of Degeneration. So Joey Ramone mm-hmm. requested that I make clothes for him. So I did that. And uh, I was honored to, you know, I knew Joey since I was a kid, but I ended up making clothes for him. It was pretty incredible. And uh, later on, I ended up playing with Didi Ramon on his last album. And I'm a drummer. And uh, 
So I played with a lot of, I ended up playing with a lot of punk people like Sylvain Sylvain, Reckless Eric, The Saints, uh, Glenn Matlock, all kinds of people. And, um, you know, it's all the people I love. I never thought in a million years I'd get to perform with them and record with them. So it's really an honor. And uh, Jane County, to me, is one of the all-time great rockers, for sure. So I'm glad that that's come out now. And you can get that online. You can get a CD Baby, and you can get a number of places online. Here come the JC5, Jane County 5. So that's what that song is. So and I'm, uh, I'm wow. happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And uh, such a great company. Holly, thank you. And Spencer's super talented guy. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Him and Judith like do some really great stuff. And um, mm-hmm. it's great to uh, start to get to know him. And uh, boy, he's done a lot of he's done a lot of stuff himself. It's really cool. Really cool. To hey, listen, with. Tony, uh, tell us about the Dee uh, Dee Ramone hookup. Okay, what happened? Yeah, I went to LA. yeah, I went to mm-hmm. I went to L.A. to visit some friends, and uh, uh, this is about I think it was 2002. It was 2002. I went to L.A. to visit some friends. And uh, my friend Howie Pyro, who was in Degeneration and The Blessed, he had just joined the band Danzig. So uh, he was kind of busy at the time. I did go visit him. He was staying at Danzig's house in California. And uh, so, you know, I did go visit them. But he was busy. And uh, a lot of other friends had gone to Coachella Festival. So I went to L.A., but nobody was really available to hang out. So uh, I've been friends with Didi Ramon for you know, since I was a kid, and uh, I told him I might be going to L.A., and he said, here's my number. Call me up, and we'll visit, get together. And I called. His number wasn't good anymore. So I looked in the paper, and he was doing a book book reading and a book signing at a, a Borders Books in Santa Monica. So I went, to the, I went to the book event. I waited until the end, and then Didi saw me. He was really surprised. And uh, he said, hey, I'm playing at Knitting Factory tomorrow. Why don't you come? So I went to the sound Ooh, check. Oh, I love the knitting factory. Yeah, yeah. me too. But what, hap- what, hap- what happened was there was a whole event there called Beat Fest. And this was like a celebration of Dee Dee's art. At the time, he was doing paintings with the artist Paul Kasabi. So it was his art, music, and his poetry. And in his book, he had some po- poems he wrote about Joey Ramone and other people. So I went to the sound check, and he, he was in a really – he was very upset. And he had got in a fight with his band, and he fired the band, and – basically destroyed his equipment and threw it in the street. So he said, I'm not going to play. I don't have any gear. So I said, well, what's that gear right on the stage? And he said, that's another band that's supposed to play. I said, Didi, if I ask these people, hey, can Didi Ramon use your gear? They're probably going to say yes. He said, okay, well, why don't we, the two of us, just play? I said, great. So no rehearsal on someone else's gear. We just got up and played. I played drums. He played guitar and sang. We played for quite some time. And then he then he uh, read some poetry. Uh, Mary Lambert, who made the film and video for Pet Cemetery, was there filming us. And, uh, it was a really cool event. Uh, Exine from oh, X I love read Pet some poetry. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And she filmed us. And uh, Exine Sarenka from X was there, and she got up and read some poetry. And uh, Arthur Lee from Love had just got out of prison, and he got up and did something. And that Love played there the next night. We end up going. So wow. I ended up playing this sh- this show off the cuff with Didi, and he said, hey, uh, um, I want you to play on my album. Paul Kastabi of Youth Gone Mad is doing my album, 
and uh, I want you to play drums on it. I said, okay, great. I, I know who that is. So uh, when I went back to, well, so then I did some rehearsals with Barbara and uh, Dee Dee uh, at Swing House Studios in L.A. We ended up jamming with the Chili Peppers and all kinds of people. And uh, we were going to go play in Japan and everything. And so I, I came back to New York. I played on Dee Dee's album. And uh, he came back and forth from L.A. a couple times. And then, unfortunately, he passed away, and that, that's what happened. The album came out, and, you know, we didn't get to play any more shows, but, you know, it was uh, really an honor to be asked to play on the album, and um, the album came out very cool. It's called You Just Gone Mad featuring Didi Ramon, and uh, I was looking forward to continuing playing with him, and he, he died, he OD'd. So it was a very, very sad story, but it was an honor to mm-hmm. get to be part of his musical career, and, to play with him. And, wow. Uh, I mean, Dee Dee Ramone is one of the all-time great songwriters, bass players, punk personalities, everything. He just had the whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, so it, it was a great honor, and uh, yeah, thanks for asking. But you can you can find that album, Youth Gone Mad, featuring Dee Dee Ramone. It's produced by Paul Kostabi, and uh, I played drums on the on the album. Oh, that's so, uh, awesome. From there, hey, Spencer, I wanted. Oh, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry, we cut over. I'm sorry. Apologize. Oh. Go for it. No, it's From okay. There, I wanted to hear uh, about the clothing thing that you did when you said you yeah. uh, did some clothing oh. for Tommy, yeah. right? Okay. For Joey. So Sorry. Because of, because Joey. Of, because, that's okay. Because of uh, because of degeneration, uh, uh, Jesse Mal, I had made clothes for myself, okay, when I was in other bands as a kid, because I just wanted costumes you couldn't buy or find. But I used to make the clothes every day before I would go out, basically. And uh, so I kind of got known for that and, you know, painting my hair different colors and painting my clothing different colors. Nice. Ma- making really strange <laughs> costumes that that would light up or whatnot. And uh, so anyway, my friends would be coming up to me and saying, hey, can you fix my pants? Can you fix my vest? And, you know, like I had some punk clothes that, you know, he treasured and it, and I was taking a beating on the road, so I'd try to mend his clothes. And then I would end up, uh, you know, I made stuff for Gigi Allen. And, uh, you know, but he didn't pay me, but I played in his band, and we were friends. We were just trying to look cool, so we made some clothes. But Jesse Mallon is one of the first people to really pay me to uh, make some clothes for him. So I made these two-piece suits for him, uh, quite a few of them. He wore them on stage. He usually wouldn't wear the jacket or shirt very long, but. Anyway, but he got known for wearing that, and uh, and, and Joey Joey, uh, Joey Ramone was a Joey Ramone was a big fan of Degeneration, and he 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 asked me to make clothes for him because he liked what I made for Jesse, so that was very flattering, and I, of course I said I would do it. So I went got together with Joey, and I uh, the person who was making his clothing, Susan, uh, she ended up leaving um, and making her own uh, like clothes for babies a line of baby clothes for little kids oh, so nice. she wasn't gonna yeah so she did yeah. that and there's and there's a song about her on uh don't worry about me they were very close friends and um so getting to know joey and making his clothes was really cool i made stuff for him to wear on stage and when he would go on like the drew carey show and other um other tv shows like conan o'brien and uh i ended up making clothes for uh, other bands he managed like the independents 
And so, you know, it, word got out. I wasn't advertising. I didn't have a shop or anything, but just people would approach me because I was always out at the green door or playing or always in the East Village. And people would see me and ask me to, oh, can you make this for me? And I would just do it. And uh, I'm sure there's some I've even forgotten that I've done. In fact, I gave a bunch of clothes to Madonna uh, at one point uh, Ooh, when I cool. saw her at the, at the club. Oh, and Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's, yeah. So, so, so anyway, you know, and what happened is, um, I ended up doing that stuff for Joey, and recently an old friend uh, came back into my life, a guy that used to work for our band uh, up in New Hampshire. He has a company, and they, they've, they've approached me about um, doing an official line of Joey Ramon clothing. So we met with Mickey and everything. Oh, that's, wow. that's, in the, that's in the works. So next yeah. year sometime should be a, a launch of a clothing line I'm involved with, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, keep you guys updated on that. Yeah. But, um, the company called Vagabond Clothing, and I ended up, um, you know, meeting the other guys involved, and now they they want to take me on board and have me make a rock line of clothes and a Joey wow. Ramone official official line, and, and uh, cool it can happen. It's an honor, because, but great. but because because I do have the lineage, I mean, I did make his clothing. That that mm-hmm. his brother says, yeah, I remember, you know, I inherited some of that clothes. I remember you making his clothes, so. There's not very many people that could probably even get that opportunity, so it's pretty, uh, pretty much of a blessing That's to be amazing. able to even do that. Yeah. So what happened is, thank you. And so what happened is, um, after, you know, at that learning how to do all this stuff as I did it, I didn't go to school for fashion or anything. But what happened is, um, I just learned by doing it, making my own clothes and other people's clothes. Sometimes the clothes would fall apart, whatever, but I learned from it, and. Uh, um, I just learned all I could, and I started working with this guy in the West Village, Miguel Cruz, because I saw the stuff in his window shop, and I just approached him, and he said, hey, why don't you come work here? Now, this worked with Charles James. So Charles James was was a, was a uh, an arbiter of fashion. He just had a two-story retrospective of his work in, in the uh, – in the museum here uh, a couple of years ago. So Charles James is the guy who made clothes for socialites and only, only couture. He never had a commercial line, but he was a craftsman and he lived in the Chelsea the same time as Sid and Nancy. So it all ties back to punk in the New York scene anyway. And uh, Miguel, I started working with and he was teaching me how to make handmade lace dresses and silk dresses and, you know, fine wearable things that I never thought I'd be able to make, but, he had a lot of skills and tech technique of, you know, he had, he had worked with all kinds of people, you name it. He'd been through seventh Avenue fashion and he was a craftsman. He, you know, he invented his own handmade lace. So it was, mm-hmm. it was cool to work with Miguel. And then through that is where we did. The handmade for lace. Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. Oh my God. So, yeah. And Miguel, uh, Miguel. So what happened is we'd have stuff in Julie, uh, artisan gallery uptown and um, people would see it like for instance Johnny Cash bought an outfit we made up at Julie Gallery wow and, uh, oh my god and, and <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah so we got and we said well you're not selling it till we get there so we got to go meet him and everything and we made clothes for Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda and everything and took them to CBGB's and we uh we you're made kidding. stuff for Zula no yeah it was, there was a <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore and and uh, a TV special and uh you know and uh, they were very nervous because they had to go to CBGB's. And I said, well, well I'll go. It's no problem. And we went. <laughs> Oddly enough, in the Can in the TV special. Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. CBGB's. <laughs> well, what's really, what's really weird is that they turned it into a comedy club. It wasn't even left alone. Like, they disguised it as a uh-huh. comedy club. So 
you can see that on YouTube too. It's uh, Mary and Rhoda together again. I think is the name of the movie. Oh, wow. And uh, and so then then Diane Furstenberg came over. She had just got her shop in the West Village. She was getting married at the time, and she didn't have time to do a fall line. And she asked Miguel to uh, do a fall line for her. So we we did it, you know. And so it was cool. And they brought all the fabric over with her initials on it. And we went to the show and everything. And people I knew were models in the show. It was pretty bizarre but um you know it's been really pretty much of a whirlwind of just doing it and getting in there and just like self-educating i guess and then we were making clothes for the faculty of fit and parsons so they asked us to um schools and teach and uh you know i audited some classes at fit and and i didn't i didn't end up teaching there but it was it was interesting but miguel did end up teaching he was hired by Tim Gunn, who later did Project Runway to run the new school. So Miguel redid the whole curriculum of the new school fashion and uh, then went on to other things. But um, I learned a lot from Miguel, and I got to work with a lot of amazing people and uh, just kind of grew. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of like my career is all over the place. And now I've fallen into – I'm an author all of a sudden, you know. So it's taken another turn. Oh, yeah, the book. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what happened is I started. Yeah. So I yeah. started. Um, a friend of mine is Stephen Blush. Uh, he's another New Yorker. You've had him on the show. Yeah. And yeah. Um, talking about New York rock, I was a, I was a contributing editor to New York rock. And uh, what happened is um, Stephen would book my bands and everybody's bands at Don Hills. We played at his night Rock Candy. I played there with She Wolves, and I played there with uh, Roland Bolin and a bunch of other people. And um, so anyway. You know, Steve was always DJing, promoting shows, writing books. He wrote American Hardcore. So he was doing a, a – there was a anniversary of American Hardcore, 10-year uh, anniversary, and he, he did a rewrite of the whole book. He, he didn't just add 100 pages. He actually rewrote the whole book, and we did a book tour to promote that. And, you know, I just got, got involved with Steve in, uh, in a literary way in, like, little bits because – I had written some stuff for David Peel. Uh, David Peel had um, had Rock Street News. He had a, he had a publication called Rock Street News, and I wrote a couple of things for that. I was friends with David, and um, Stephen asked me. Uh, Stephen was starting to write a book about the history of New York rock at the time, and um, he said, "Hey, who was in the Brats, or what's the lineup of this band?" And originally, it started kind of like as a family tree of like who was in what bands and things like that. Yeah. And and every every New York band that had ever been officially you know put out an album or whatever put out a release. But what happened is I ended up checking all the facts um, for him and doing some interviews and um, and also doing uh, some transcribing and getting in there a little bit and getting my feet wet at doing this. And that, and at this point, you know, then we did a we promotional tour for for the rebooted version of uh, American Hardcore, which is like one of the best selling rock books ever really it's perennial you know and um then he you know as you know he made a film about that and it was sold to sony picture classics and then um i started to we started uh fact checking on the new york rock and worked on that for almost 10 years before it came out we did a big promotional tour on that we also did a documentary with uh so so stephen blush and paul rockman both made the film American Hardcore and sold to Sony Picture Classics. So, you know, we made a documentary called Lost Rockers with 10 people's stories, you know, 
who are very talented, but you know, they didn't make it. You might know their song, but you don't maybe know who they are. And, uh, no, trying to shed some light on some talented people. And that, that, uh, premiered at, uh, well, we had a work in progress premiere of that at Lincoln center. And then, um, what happened is uh, the film, the music rights right now is such a big point of contention when you're making a, a film because the, it turns out that, the, you know, the music rights are very, very expensive for all these people. And uh, you're not paying the artist. You're paying whoever owns the publishing or, you know, Warner Chapel or whatever publishing. And, and uh, you know, we haven't been able to release that film yet because it's just too expensive. We can't really deliver the film. Oh. Uh, you know, That's because so documentaries – yeah. yeah, well, that you know, mm-hmm. it's happened with a lot of people. I mean, the Ramones, uh, Ramones film took a long time to come up because of the, you know, publishing and other things, and so did the MC5, and so did the um, the uh, Wrecking Crew film, which are all great things in a way, but, you know, um, you know, it's just like uh, rights of music rights are in control, and it's not even, usually not the artist who's getting paid, so we have not been able to release that and in the meantime Stephen Blush the Lost Rocker book that came out through um, Powerhouse Random House and uh, we did a lot of events and I was very involved with that um, the photo research and getting the people involved and uh, so little by little through working with Stephen I've got to you know I have a new career as an author so currently I'm working on a book about a guy named Big John Hart Uh, Big John Hart uh, was the head of security for Kiss, Iron Maiden, Prince, and Billy Idol, among others. And uh, oh wow, I'm writing his yeah. So I'm writing his story with him, and I've interviewed about 30 people so far, and uh, wow. starting to get to some of the band members and things like this. this is getting really interesting. It's a lot of work, but I know a lot about it, so it's kind of tying things together. Luckily, I know I'm very familiar with the subject. So the same thing. What happened is just from like living this rock lifestyle in New York. I was able to kind of jump into a new career and, you know, get involved in film filmmaking and uh, as an author. And, um, you know, I've also been working on a couple other projects with Stephen Blush that are, that are, uh, you know, in the pipeline and uh, they're going to be pretty cool when they come out. Not, not what you might think off the top of your head, but really cool stuff. And um, mm-hmm. it's interesting because all the rockers I've worked with, you know, like Sammy Yaffa, I played with in Madwana. You know, I met him when he was in Hanoi Rocks. And uh, we're friends, and uh, he's he's had a, a really great award-winning TV series called Sound Tracker, where he goes to um, different places and and finds their indigenous music, like goes to Brazil or goes to that oh, wow. country or whatever. Ooh, yeah, so he's doing so great fun. with that. So since there's not really the same uh, money in the industry like there used to be for rock bands, a lot of these mm-hmm. kind of people, like myself and Sammy and other people. You know, Philip Marquez and all these other people have turned to, you know, uh, expressing themselves through books or other media. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. It's it's uh, kind of a little right turn, but I'm, I'm getting into it. And it's great to get to know and meet so many people. I mean, we got to, for Lost Rockers, we got to interview Harry Belafonte at his house. I mean, you can't really complain about oh, wow. that. You know? And uh, we've had great events oh, cool. for the Lost Yeah, for the, for the Lost Rockers. Um, uh, uh, book we had great events where we had performed for us like you know Ross the Boss and David Peel and we had uh, you know uh, gosh uh, Richard Barone we had um, right. a, n- a number of and super we love talented Richard. people yeah yeah he's, a, he's incredible Richard. and uh, and uh, you know 
the, in, in the New York Rock, we had an art show. We've had art show. We did uh, promotion at the New York Public Library, at the Freeport Public Library, you know, on the West Coast, on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, it's really cool. We've got to meet a lot of people and, and uh, promote music that we think is great and uh, keeping, it, keeping it alive, you know. So it's been an honor to, you know, work with all these people, and they're, they're all uh, very generous with their time. And just trying to learn from it and uh, uh hopefully this big john book will uh be pretty neat and i think um there's definitely a good audience of people built in there to check it out i mean kiss fans are just voracious and iron maiden and all these people so right. should should be really 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 interesting um uh you know i've um even went to uh, the kiss expo last summer here in new york with big john as his author and got to meet a bunch of people and interview people at that we got to speak to peter chris at length and that's really a thrill so it's been uh been wow. lucky in that way but but i've been in the scene like my whole life you know i i grew up going to shows going to jazz shows rock shows i saw you know the who play tommy at the fillmore east you know i met Ooh. you know every cool jazz drummer because <laughs> my my dad liked jazz so i get to see art blakey and tony williams and elvin jones nice. and nice. max roach and buddy rich and gene krupa and all of them and, uh, you know, as a drummer, that's pretty awesome. And then um, eventually I got to play with Ornette Coleman for a short, you know, on TV. Oh, my for a very God. Short, short, yeah, wow. so really, really pretty neat. And um, I became at one point the uh, – oh, so with the connection from Didi, so Didi said, hey, Paul, Paul Kastabi is um, producing my album. I want you to play on it. So I started doing a lot of session work with Paul Kastabi, and uh, he's a great musician and artist. And uh, Paul Kastabi and his brother, uh, Mark Kastabi, uh, are from Whittier, California, but they've lived here for years. And uh, Mark Kastabi is best known for, he did the cover of uh, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion. And, yeah. Uh, we, we yeah, we love and, Mark. And, 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 we love Mark. And Paul, yeah. And, yeah, and Paul, Paul named it. And, uh, and uh, then he also did Ramon's Adios Amigos cover. Right. And um, so those two have well, been involved in this stuff. Yeah, so they've been involved their whole life, and uh, it just all ties back into, you know, music and art and punk and, you know, the downtown New York scene. And, you know, you get people like Fat Five Freddy and Blondie and all these people that are rock and they're in art. And, you know, because a lot of stuff, the rock scene here came out of Warhol. I mean, let's face it, it you know, it, it really took someone to, uh, you know, propel that at one point, you know, and pushed the Velvet Underground and everything kind of came out of that, you know, basically. There yeah. was no rock scene at one point here. There were no clubs. And, then, you know, then, then you know, you got the Velvets and then you got New York Dolls and all these other bands after and uh, kind of just foraged the way. And it's not always the pioneers that get the, you know, get the prize. Like, you know, New York Dolls aren't in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, it's ridiculous. Or MC5 or Stooges. So it's just kind of like, you know, it's kind of... um it's amazing to grow up in this scene and everybody was kind of into art, music, and, you know, literature. It's not just me. It's like, you know, Lenny Kay, you know, a lot of these people were critics like Lenny Kay is a writer too. And he's written a couple books and, right. um, you know, so we had a great event. We've had a couple of great events for New York rock where we had um, people play music or, you know, we had the art of New York rock show at uh, art on a gallery, the Wendigo store, which is a yeah. great rock and roll place. By, uh, Wendy Scripps, and uh, we had an art show of art done by the people from the New York Rock book. So, for instance, Chris Stein, 
of Blondie is a very talented photographer. So he had a great photo mm-hmm. of um, the Ramones at Arturo Vegas Gallery. So, right. you know, um, anyway, so it just kind of, all this just circles back. The more you've been involved in it, it's not that weird. Maybe to an outsider, it's like, wow, this guy's into all kinds of stuff. Well, kind of everyone all has been, but it's just more like what time you dedicate to it and hopefully people see what you see your art and listen to your music, you know, and get something from it. So I, I ended up playing Didi, and from that, I ended up working for Mark Dobby because Paul said, hey, my brother Mark has a TV show, um, and he wants to put a house band together. So first, I just played on it just as a drummer, like Spike Jones or something, just playing drums and noise, percussion. Then I put a band together, and then we would have all kinds of people come on there, like, you know, Albert Bouchard of Mr. Cult or uh, – Randy Jones of the Village People, or Glenn Matlock, or Lala Brooks, or mm. or Nick Coleman eventually. So I got to pick like who was going to be on the show a lot of times and get to perform with them, which was really a thrill. And I was, you know, work 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 with Mark in his in his studios for about ten years. I became the archivist. I would photograph the paintings, and I would, um, you know, do a number of work in the in the gallery. But also when he would have the TV show, he he would have a TV show where they would try to title the paintings with the number of art critics or celebrities on there. And it'd be a lot of Warhol related people like Glenn O'Brien and people like this would be in the panel. And so there'd be art people there, rock and roll people there, and we'd be playing music and they would try trying to name the paintings. So it was kind of like a whole, whole trip, you know, it was like a modern version of Warhol or something to me. It was made complete sense. Wow. Well, so, I, uh, I want to, yeah. I want to come in here because, um, we I try to get Paul on the show Kastabi because I know Paul Kastabi, but he doesn't like radio interviews. So he says, Spencer, why don't you talk to so listen so listen to this. So, so Paul says to me, Why don't you talk to my brother Mark? And yeah. Adam and yeah. my friend Adam Sands represents Mark and his artwork and tried to pull me over to Mark's story. I never would go over there. All of a sudden I started talking to Mark. Finally go over there. He had a, has this incredible music salon that he invites me to. And and, mm-hmm. and he and then I found out he was into music. So we had him on the show. Holly and I had him on. And the yeah. thing about him that you're bringing up is very interesting that people should know is Mark Kostabi runs a salon every so often, what we call, I call it the music salon. And mm-hmm. it, he presents new artists playing. But, you know, I talked to him the other day and I brought out some – Something that he does that uh, that's really true. He he's almost like a John Cage guy, and all of the music that he brings on is very experimental. You know, Tony, it's like it's not the norm. So he has a right. lot. It's like free form music. And I said, you know, I, I told him, I said, this is like ESP disc that I used to work for because that that whole label was all sure. these jazz artists with free form sure. music, no structure. Yeah. And that's what Mark does today, which is interesting. And he has yeah. the salon. You should come over there sometime, the salon. Because yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. That whole I, thing is the I, whole trip. I, yeah, I performed with Mark and Paul uh, in Central Park before uh, playing yeah. his music. So, you know, Mark used to be the one of the keyboard players, the piano player on, on the show as well. So I played with Mark for 10 years on the TV show, and we ended up playing with wow. Rob Swimmer and all kinds of super talented people, Bella Fleck and – you know, all kinds of people came on the show, and uh, we got to meet all people from all walks of life and from all over the world. It was a really interesting job and time, and uh, I learned a lot from it. And, uh, yeah, Mark's been able to sustain this career for quite some time. And Paul Kostabi is a very reluctant celebrity 
You know, but is. Paul is an enormously talented person. I've learned right. so much from him. He yeah. taught me how to re- he taught me how to record. He taught me how to photograph art. He wow. taught me how to stre- stretch canvases. He how taught cool. me so much. He's an amazing guy, and we've made a lot of great music together. I don't know if you know this, but Paul, besides his own band, Youth Gone Mad, which is the band Dee Dee joined at the end, right. um, Paul started basically put together White Zombie, was an original member of White Zombie. Yeah, I noticed also, that. He was with. Yeah. He also did a yeah. cut on Keith Richards, I know, too. He did something on Keith Richards' album. He's done a lot. He also did yeah. um, Psychotica, he formed, and they, they got signed. They were on Lollapalooza wow. on the main stage. Yeah, I mean, same wow. stage as Metallica when they first oh, came out. Oh, I heard about and that. So, yeah, I heard about yeah, that. And, that uh, was supposed to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's a great band with Pat Briggs. He's in our Lost Rockers book. He's a super talented guy. And uh, another thing is that um, uh, Paul uh, made, made a band with me called Super Nom Live Machine with this guy named Vincent Kendall, who was an incredible singer. And they had done all these recordings online for years, and we it was a three-piece, the three of us, and we, we, we played in uh, Central Park again in the, in the, in the show. And uh, that's the only show we ever did. We had an album that came out in Russia on M2 label, and we were in Rolling oh, Stone wow. in Russia. It could have been a very big band. It was a really cool band. But what happened, and uh, Bill O'Coin, who discovered and managed Kiss, Billy Idol, and all kinds of people, wanted to manage our band. I, I'd known him, you know, most of my life and he was very interested in that band and came back into some money and he wanted to wanted to work with us. And what happened is uh, both of unfortunately both of Paul Paul Kostabi's and Mark's parents got sick and they passed away and then Bill Coin passed away. But we had a very cool band called Supernom Live Machine mm-hmm. and that's a pretty probably pretty rare album at this point, but it was a really cool Really cool album we did, and uh, Paul's an enormously talented guy. I learned a lot from him. He's a great guy. He's a great painter, and he uh, has recorded so many cool bands. He's been part of so many bands, and uh, but he's pretty reluctant about you know not speak for himself. Like the, I've asked him to be in all these books I've been involved with, and really he just you know he doesn't, is, really, doesn't really want to be part of it. Tony is kind of laid back and quiet, but when he gets a guitar in his hand, he's unbelievable, right? Oh, he's an amazing guitar yeah. player. He's an amazing bass player, keyboard. Their mother was a piano teacher, so he can play all kinds of piano. And uh, he's not only that, but he's a great producer, you know, engineer, and uh, yeah, just a great, great guy. And uh, you know, very um, low key, but man, he can really, uh, he can really play. It's been great to play with yeah. him over the. I played on so many recordings. He's uh, engineered. In, in fact, he put together, uh, helped. Uh, engineer early uh, recordings of the band the willows and i ended up playing on some of that stuff and that was really cool stuff that got onto mtv and everything and that was a cool band the willows and, so you um, brought up seeing some really great drummers right i mean yourself oh yeah I mean, the you... best i saw the best the best i saw the best drummers you That's can even amazing. imagine you know yeah. buddy rich you know... and not just see him not just see him but get to meet wow. them like i met all i met all these guys i met keith moon i met buddy rich i met Joe Morello. I took lessons from Joe Morello, you know, and he's one of the all-time oh, wow. greats. I mean, you know, I would, you know, I'd sit right behind the drummers or try to get any tips from them. And, you know, I saw Led Zeppelin with Bonham. I saw all these people. And, um, you know, it's been a, a real education to, uh, you know, and all these hardcore drummers were incredible too here. And um, yeah. so, you know, uh, you know, I take it from where I can get it, you know, the punk, rock, funk people. I like funk, like P-Funk and all that mm-hmm. stuff, 
And, right. uh, you know, j- the jazz guys are incredible. And they, the best stuff was here, for sure. And I got to see see all of them, you know, Billy Cobham, all these people. Incredible. So what did you, how was your tie with Sol Sylvain? Sylvain's great. Uh, I went to a benefit for Joy Ryder, who has since passed away. But she had a, yeah. was a benefit at CBGB's once. And, and uh, Jane County played at it and Sylvain played at it. And I've been a Dolls fan, I, you know. Uh, you know, I knew Jerry. I would bother him and try to learn something from yeah. him or whatever. He would give me give me some clothes and stuff like that. You see Johnny Thunders around and trade clothes with him or whatever. And um, you know, I saw the New York Dolls when I was a kid. It's really cool band. And what happened was I went to see Sylvain play at this Joy Rider benefit. And after we're talking, and at the time I was playing with She Wolves, and um, he said, "Hey, I have to do a recording for this South American Ramones tribute." I said, I called Paul Kasabi. He said, come over tomorrow. I said, tomorrow we're going to go record this. So that we instantly became, you know, Sylvain and She-Wolves. We did wow. a tour. He goes, we're, go- we're going to go to, I need to do a Canadian tour. You guys want to come? We went to Canada with him twice. Oh, wow. We, reco- <laughs> we, reco- we, re- we recorded with him. It became the first song on a two-CD set that came out in South America that, like, Ed Stasium worked on and Tommy Ramone worked on it. And, uh... It was a big party for that. And then we went to Canada twice. We played shows. Not only that, we even played at CBGB's one gig. And Sylvain and Jane County were in our bands. They didn't even, they weren't even, it wasn't billed as them. It was our show. And uh, so that was pretty incredible. And we, we played on FMU with Sylvain. And uh, then what happened is he ended up getting back in the New York Dolls. And then we opened shows for the Dolls at Irving Plaza. And we opened for them at their record release at, um, at CBGB's. So, you know, Sylvain, yeah, and Sylvain was, you know, he's a great guy, super talented rock and roll guy. You know, when we'd go play in Canada, no, nobody had been playing those songs for a while, like Jet Boy and Frankenstein and all that stuff. And we were playing them, and people were like, wow, that's really like, you know, kick-ass rock and roll. I'm like, yeah, that yeah, is rock and roll. Sylvain is rock and roll. <laughs> I mean, right. you don't get well, much you know, more rock and roll than Sil- Sylvain, this is, this you know, is, Jane County. You've done a You've done so much, and um, I am just, like, blown away. And I know a lot of these people have been on our shows, and then the other things are just so iconic. Um, did you put any of this in any of your books that, you know, in your current book? We're definitely going to want to have you back when that comes out. Yeah, but, yeah uh, thank you. Um, well, you put, well, yeah, there's, you, stuff about, there's stuff about She-Wolves and Sylvain in uh, New York Rock, but it's pretty brief because you got to understand that New York Rock book is so is so dense that you know I feel like a blip on the radar. I'm lucky to even be involved in the whole thing, but but I was involved in their New York scene, so that's why I'm in it. The, the interesting thing about the New York Rock book is that so many people would come to the events and say, "Hey, I'm in this book." I'm like, <laughs> and we would say, "Well, yeah, you're part of the scene," and actually, you know. It, it's you're supposed to be in the book. You're part of the scene. It's not just about celebrities. So, you know, mm-hmm. the thing about Sylvain, it, the thing about growing in, up in New York and being into music and art and all this stuff is that if you were around it, you ran into Sylvain. You ran into the Ramones a lot. You ran into Iggy. You ran into Warhol. They were, right. they were in the right. neighborhood. If you were in the East Village, you're going to see these people and probably, you know, you're buying them a drink or they're buying you a drink or whatever. And it wasn't a big deal. Like if you grew up here, you you kind of almost take it for granted. People from around the world would be like shocked, you know, you know, to be able to meet Joey Ramone or to be able to, you know, it is amazing. But I I, I never really took it for granted. I always just appreciated. Hey, I think these guys are great. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and I don't really care if anybody else does, but I think the guys are great, you know, and, and uh, these people are some of the pioneers of, of, uh, of rock and modern rock and uh, really never got any better to me. I just tried to learn what I can from them and, Real, yeah, real, you, know, you know, Tony, you were bringing up MC5, which I think was important because they were brought up with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, yep. this yep. year. But but many of the young kids don't get it. You know, MC5, you and I know, or, or Holly knows, oh, yeah. that they were they were a foundation. They were, you know, they were the foundation of dynamic uh, music. Uh, what do you call it? You know, things that went on. You know, the foundation. The high metal. energy rock. High yeah, energy. exactly, and mm-hmm. people, I, it blows my mind how a lot of people don't really know, unless you're in the music, you know about music, really know about yeah. music, the young kids don't know who the fuck they are, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, it's funny, because if they got exposed to it, they'd probably like it and not even know why, because that's it right. is great, no, that's and MC5 is great, yeah. and they would be like, oh, this sounds like Jack White or something, you know what I mean? Like, exactly, they might not know. oh, I agree, I totally agree. You know? Which is all good stuff, and and uh, you know the roots thing. Sometimes you know, hey, times change. People are into different music and things right now. It's you know basically a post rock era, whatever. But but we still all this great music's out there. And you know, in a way, I wish I could hear all that stuff again for the first time because got me so excited when I first heard New York Dolls and MC5 and Stooges and all this stuff because it it is so it's so got so much character. And I think a lot of things about modern music is that with all the technology, it's quite possible people are focusing on the wrong elements of music, and it's getting very sterile. And uh, and um, you, you, it's everybody now can make a, a recording that's in perfect time and in perfect pitch, but does it have any vibe? Does it have any character? This stuff was all character, New York Dolls, MC5. Oh, yeah. I have to bring in here because I, I'm going tomorrow night to Barry Electric. The dictators are playing, and our friend Keith Roth is playing. And uh, Keith that, yeah. that's one of that's one of those clubs uh, that's yeah. in New York. And people say, "Well, CBGB died, and there's nothing left." That's ridiculous, you know. Bowery Electric, uh, founded partly by Jesse Malin, as we all know, that club has produced so much punk and new music that unbelievable. You know, that club well, is like definitely CBGB, one of the great places. That's one of the great places, and he's got the history. He's been doing this forever. Like I said, he's the first guy to really pay me to make clothes. I always worked with Degeneration. Jesse's always promoted bands or anything I've done. He's a supportive guy. He's he not insecure. He's out yeah. there doing it. He's hustling. He's always working, always meeting new people, always doing something. And, uh, you know, the the uh, it, you know, I just think, like, just get out there and do it, you know. Make right. make something exciting. Like right. when I was living in New, New Hampshire, with flying sixty nine. I mean, there wasn't a heck of a lot to do in New Hampshire. I can tell you that. And I learned how to make clothes and costumes because I couldn't find any, so I just made it. So it, a lot of people oh, are like, so oh, well, you know, oh, you know, music's dead and all this stuff. Well, you know, just get off your ass and do something about it and make make <clears> a cool, fun scene because people want good new stuff. So if you can get out there i know it's not the same industry it's all changing but nevertheless you know you just want to have some fun get out there and do it and uh the bowery electric is a great place i played there a lot of times i just played there recently not too long ago with drew stone the filmmaker oh nice and, uh, nice. yeah drew stone hit, hits oh drew stone really. wait a minute drew stone has the michael olago drew stone was on our mm-hmm. show he has a michael olago mm-hmm. yeah we've had drew on yeah we yeah, had drew, drew on 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's made the one a that number did the films. movies. The movie, yeah, yeah he, the newest movie that he did. You know, the I newest, wanted to. The newest one up, that he did was I, his a re, reissue of his father's movie. His father made a film about oh, yeah, Muhammad, yeah, Ali. Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah, yeah right, exactly. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, and he did I the New York Hardcore Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted to ask you a really quick question because um, you have such a, an extensive background. You mentioned the New York Dolls and stuff. Did you go to that show when they did the reunion at um, in in the city? Yeah, recently. But I, yeah, just well, when they did the With reunion. Steve Conti. Mm-hmm. Oh no, but we what, but when the New York Dolls got back together and put out their album, we opened for them mm-hmm. at CBGB. So when we opened for them oh, at wow. Irving Plaza, oh, but crazy. when they had that tribute recently, I wasn't in town, but I am. I am friends. I am friends with Steve Conti, and I've played with him before. Uh, Steve's been on uh, our show, yeah. Uh, Tony. Yeah, Steve's yeah, a very Sam, good friend of ours. Sam, yeah. I just played with him at the Mark Boland tribute at City Winery for two days, and he was mm-hmm. the band leader. He was great, and I played with uh, Sammy Alpha and myself. And uh, Steve played for uh, Charlie Vernella birthday party at Don Hills one time. But, yeah, wow. I've known Steve a long time. He's a great guy. He plays great. And he's played with everybody. He's played with Eric Burden. He's played with Lisa Fisher. All, he played with all kinds of people. Yeah, he's very amazing. talented. Very and I talented. like his music too. And his his brother's a great bass player, John Conti. Yeah, it's great true. bass player. Played yep. with the Dolls. Played with Ian Hunter, Rant Band, all that stuff. So, you know, it's like it's a pretty small. It's a big city, but it's a pretty small rock and roll scene. So, if you're yeah. around for any time, you pretty much get to know everybody. Or you know, I've got to play with so many people. It's funny because in you know, in my earlier years in high school and before that when I was playing, after I joined Flying 69, although we were playing with Gigi sometimes and all this, but I really wouldn't play with other bands, but kind of after that ended, I ended up playing with so many different people, and uh, especially on the TV show, and uh, it was a really good experience. I learned a lot from playing with other people. You play with, like, Sylvain and Dee Dee Ramone and Jane County, you're going to yeah. learn something about music. These guys... Oh, yeah. Yeah. They live it. I mean, it's not like a put on. These, this is the real deal. So I can't, um, you know, Tony. I can't believe all. I'm sure Holly agrees. I can't believe all the things you've done in your life up to now. And it's so many. No, things. it's, it's well, unbelievable. Thank and I you. Have a question. Well, there's I a lot more to you. come. Hopefully, <laughs> so good. Right. Well, I'm that, not. Hopefully, not done yet. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, I want to ask you, what month were you born, or what? What? What uh, month? Uh, were, okay. What, July July thirteenth, I have the same birthday as Jane County. Oh great. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So we get a what we get a lot. Cancer. Cancer. What sign are cancer. You? Yeah. Cancer. Ooh, okay. All right. Because I was mm-hmm. gonna say you have you just like have such an extensive background from fashion to music to film to designing. Thanks. I mean, I love the whole thing about the costume stuff. I could just imagine. Oh, yeah, right. You must have had just fun. a fun time. You know, so that's what I want to ask is about when you were, a, you know, a young adult growing up, mm-hmm. what yeah. did you, did you display a lot of this, be, like this knowing that you knew that this is what you wanted to do? Were you like that would, when you were I growing up? Do, I've just been doing it the whole time. I never like thought about wow. it. I just started doing it. It's like I was telling someone recently, like, I don't really belabor over things and worry about stuff. I just start doing it. And, uh, you know, David Peel, who passed away, you know, this year and was a great 
a friend of mine, a great rocker. And uh, David Peel followed this kind of way of his life where he just, you want to do something, just do it. You'll find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And David Peel's the guy who was like basically playing in the street, not even in clubs. And John Lennon and Yoko came and joined his band. So, you know, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, uh, the power of your mind to find an answer to a question is very, very strong. So mm-hmm. if you uh, just start doing something, you'll figure out a way to do it. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not that big on planning or any of this, and a lot of things have just happened to me very haphazardly, I suppose. Uh, you know, everyone's different, but what's worked for me is just, uh, you know, try to be available to do things. And, you know, now I'm getting so busy, I'm kind of having to turn down things that, I normally would do because isn't you know, that I have, fun? I have, uh, isn't that great? Yeah, that's well, great. you know, it's you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I want to go play shows with Drew Stone or play with all these people, but you know, I have to make some clothes and I have to do this. So I got to manage my time, a, you know, a little better because I do tend to get into too many things. Right. And uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it's fun and it's been a good learning experience and uh, just keep learning all the time and yeah, get inspired by um great things and hopefully you know you know uh other people see what i do and you know gravitate to it and can get something out of it I guess. no kind of communi- absolutely kind of communication you know kind of a way of it's all like communication whatever the who, art um, exactly. yeah. who was who was your mentor when you were growing up who who basically was well, like somebody that you looked up to all right some people i've looked up to that. that have been meant <laughs> have been mentors have been uh one guy was Larry Legaspi. He was a cops, costume designer in the West Village, and he ended up oh, making yeah. clothes for uh, LaBelle, Funkadelic, and he's famous for, like, the Kiss mm-hmm. Destroyer outfits and things like that. Wow. And uh, Bill O'Coin, who managed Kiss right. uh, and discovered Kiss and uh, managed so many great bands, Billy Idol and people like that. Um, Miguel Cruz, who I learned so much about making clothes with. And uh, Paul, Kostab, Paul Kostabi's great mentor to me. Um mm-hmm. Probably those people, I guess when I was very young, uh, my uncles and my father and my mother, all my family was very supportive of what I did. They never mm-hmm. said, you can't go out all hours of the night, you can't play, you can't do this. They always encouraged me to play music, to do art. They never said, don't do it. They always said, you know, we're encouraging. So that I guess I was lucky in that way. And uh, I just, um, whoever was, you know, a local person, I you know, some of them turned out to be, you know, some of them were very famous, but some of them weren't. So, you know, some mm-hmm. people that inspired me, you'll, you'll probably never know who it is. But, you know, uh, the famous people that inspired me were, I just mentioned pretty much. And uh, I always, um, anybody that could really play and play great songs and have, um, you know, I, li- I always like bands. And uh, I was just um, inspired from a very early age to just get up and do it. So, I think mm-hmm. that's been, I've been kind of like, you know, self-dedication and, and mm-hmm. very um, very kind of regimented when I want to learn something. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I can, you know, get organized when I have to. But um, it's more or less like whoever was willing to give me the time of day, I tried to learn from them. Like, you know, Paul Kostabi is very generous with his it's time beautiful. knowledge. Yeah. And, uh, Bill O'Coin. Bill O'Coin was very generous with his time. Anybody that knew him could tell you that, you know. And uh, Miguel Cruz, very generous with his time and his people. So, and you know, oh, and another thing is, I used to go to uh, 
you know, some of the museums and you'd see like, oh, Mike Quashi was a great inspiration to me. Uh, oh, super, wow. super, yeah. Yeah. Mike Quashi is a guy who <laughs> just look up Mike Quashi and uh, it's a whole other world right there. Right. Um, but Mike Quashi used to perform on top of the same Regis hotel for like Salvador Dali and, and uh, Vincent Price oh and all gosh. these people. So I would go, I would go to, I would go to uh, the natural history museum and see, you know, Salvador Dali there looking at the statue of, uh, you know, uh, Perseus holding Medusa's head and talking about it all day. So, you know, growing, you Are know, you serious? being around these kind of, yeah. So being around these <laughs> kind of people serious? and then, yeah. And then my, my, wow. then my neighbor turned, turned out to be Axel Stocks, the great, uh, painter and jewelry oh my maker who pa- I know pa- passed away yeah. And, yeah he 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 passed away uh, a couple of years ago but he 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 worked with Dali and I remember him being part of Dali's entourage when they were making the hologram of Alice Cooper and uh, Alice Cooper is a band that I loved right. as a kid too uh, the original Alice Cooper band was a great great band and uh, yeah. oh recently uh recently I've been getting very friendly more and more uh known him for years but Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult and Blue Coop is a is a great mentor and he's a he's a music teacher and a great he's a you know master songwriter he wrote all those great DOC songs with Patti Smith and everything and mm. he's a great drummer guitar player and super you know cool guy to get to know and learn from so you know you know lucky hey you know listen to the song and tell me what's what I can do with it and you know luckily guy gives me the time of day to help me you know so very cool that's great that's cool that's unbelievable. I just, you know, I'm just like listening to this, these, all these things that you've done, and it's just like, wow, you've had a very ex- amazing life um, so far. And, you know, I want to ask you. Well, thank you. Because I know Spencer mm-hmm. and I both would probably want to know, um, do you have any stories you want to share with us, like that really stick out in your mind about meeting a certain person or an experience along the way in your life that oh yeah 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 sure I have, I have a, yeah I have a great Joey Ramone story um, even though I knew him oh let's hear and it see, and yeah. I, I saw the Ramones since I was a little kid and all this but then when I finally got you know he called me to ask me to make clothes for him because of the degeneration thing and uh, he's like oh you're that guy you always ask me to make clothes <laughs> I said yeah I've been trying because at the time I had bright orange hair the glow in the dark orange hair. And he's like, oh, my God, I, I see that. you everywhere. You, he, he goes, oh, I see you everywhere. I said, yeah, I've been asking you for years. Hey, I'll make you some clothes. Anyway, so we're in his apartment. And uh, all of a sudden, there's kind of like a dead silence. And we're both just sitting there, and we're both staring ahead, and we're not really talking to each other. And, uh, we're kind of nervous all of a sudden. And I just said, um, hey, um, who did you used to look up to as a kid? And he said, oh, um, Jimi Hendrix. He said, uh, here's one big thing that happened when I was a kid. He said, uh, he said, look, um, I went to Manny's and the store was closed because Jimi Hendrix was in there buying guitars and he locked everybody out. He had the run of the store. So <laughs> Jimi Hendrix saw Joey Ramone standing up near the door. And this hmm. is when he was a kid before he was a rocker and everything. He was wow. kind of like a very self-conscious kid you know at the time and Jimi hendrix came up to the door and said hey man come on in and hang out and let him in while he bought wow. guitars and effects and stuff and he said that really inspired almost like his whole career in a way because he said hey Jimi hendrix welcomed me into this world and uh i felt <laughs> like i can do it too and uh so wow. i think that's a really was a really cool story and then that's another really thing that happened cool was 
yeah, and then another thing that happened was, you know, on the shelf I saw some like glam rock stuff. He had like Slade and Sweet and T Rex and I was like, Hey man, I love all T Rex is one of my favorite bands, you know, and um you know, uh, uh he said, Hey, let, let's listen to glam rock and then he called Naughty Holder on the phone and we were talking to him. So Aww. that was pretty that was pretty amazing. And another That's another cool. great another great story is when I was a little kid I used to go see, you know, I saw T Rex and I, you know, met Mark Bolin a number of times and, you know, um all of a sudden Gloria Jones was in the band with him and uh she's like, Who's that little kid? And he was like, Oh, that's like the little rocker. He oh comes my to all the God. shows. And so, you know, I'm still friends with Gloria and, and uh their son Roland and we just performed recently at City Winery and they, they run the uh the Mark Boland School of Music and Film in Sierra Leone, West Africa. You can go online and donate to that. There's there's a great school in uh West Africa. Gloria Jones lives there now and uh we teach kids music and film. Uh, oh, that's great. Mark, Mark Boland School of Music and Film. So it's kind of like great. it's been a life of – this has been my life, like, doing stuff like that. So it probably sounds, like, crazy to some people, but just – I don't know. No, it's just doing good and, things, man. It's a good thing. So And you it's know, so great to I be here to... with you guys. I, I really appreciate uh, oh, you having me on. We've so extended we it. Yeah, yeah we, I, I extended it. I hope you didn't mind because you have – you're, you're – uh, no, trust me. This is like a dream for us because we love oh, to have somebody you. on oh, yeah. that loves to tell the stories where we're not really having to pull it out of people. You know what I mean? Right. Because like oh, I said gosh. last night to you, yeah. You know, sometimes it's so funny. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that we had on. Oh, I had on the guy. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was somebody pretty high profile, like yourself, and. Carmine yeah. Apiece. Carmine Apiece. Oh, wow. Great. No, not, yeah, not Carmine Apiece. Remember how he was stoned out of his mind, I think. <laughs> no. I, no. Hey, that's rock and no, roll. Carmi- oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, Carmine. Yeah, that's right. Carmine, Carmine was, like, telling us how he was just sitting there, chilling out. And he was doing the interview, which is how it should be, you know, because we want everybody to be, mm-hmm. you know, relaxed. But, no, it was somebody – it was somebody – um. Uh oh, I know it was a guy from Foreigner. It was a show you weren't on, Spencer. Yeah. And, oh. Um, okay. I was it Ian McDonald. Was it Ian McDonald or, or? No, yeah, no, no, no. I think uh, I no, no, but I think okay. it. Yeah, I think it was. Mick, Ian. Jo- Mick Jones. Mick Jones or Ian? No, Ian just played with Ian. us at the Mark Boland thing. Ian just and, played with yeah, us at the was, Mark Boland tribute. No, this you is know, somebody he played else. Oh, on yeah. Get It On. This was somebody else. You weren't on. You weren't on, and I had Ian. I think it was Ian, and wow. he couldn't. Okay. It was real. He was real quiet and very. Oh. Uh, yeah. It was so yeah. cute Ian, because. You get them a, going. Ian is a very. He's yeah. a very mild mannered guy. He even like played with King that's Crimson, and he was. even played with with Giles that's and McDonald's, which King was a. Crimson thing. Yeah. 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 Well, he played sax on that interview. He played sax on uh, "Get It On," "Bang a Gong" by T Rex. He's the sax player on yep. that. And he came up and played and it know, with us on, at the City Winery. This is this is what's such a trip about the interview, and it was him because we were talking about mm-hmm. the King Crimson stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so he he was he wasn't <laughs> talking about what he had done in his life, and he was he's very he's a very like, very. Uh, very humble guy. Very, very. He's a very humble guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, yeah, it's played on some very uh, landmark, iconic recordings. Yeah. It's very humble. Those, yep. That music changed everybody's, like, introspect. I mean, you know, who doesn't absolutely. remember Foreigner and, and King Crimson? Yeah, oh, I absolutely. Mean, come on. Yep. The Court of the yeah, he's been a, I'll tell you, I gotta tell you, about. I gotta come in here. The show that we had, which I thought was one of the greatest shows, was Danny Fields. And Danny Fields <laughs> has, how if you remember, he has so many stories and, and oh my so God, many yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And he loved being he on. He signed the MC5 and the Stooges in one weekend. <laughs> right. His yep. stories are, he told us a story about, um, oh God, Cream. I think it was Cream. Mm-hmm. And they were playing okay. Central Park. And someone OD'd, or almost OD'd, and had to carry him off Ooh. to the second park. You know, yep. he, he was in all these different events. You know, his life was filled with all these stories. And it was Danny like... Fields was paid to take acid on the job at the record company. <laughs> what? His, his actual title was Freak on his business card for Electra Records. That is, that, no. David, wow. David, really? Peel, David, Peel, David Peel was on the label, and so was The Doors and all kinds of people. And what happened is Danny Fields, well, the record industry is a business, and music industry mm. is a business, and they wanted to have somebody who was, like, in touch with the street, who, you know, takes drugs or whatever, and they had, they yeah. had Danny, and his title on his business card said Freak. <laughs> so, what? Yeah. So, you know, that the guy great. signed that. That's a great The guy story. signed the, the Stooges and the MC5 in one weekend. So, I mean, that's what else can you do for rock and roll, you know? I know, yeah. So, wow, but, you know, that's it's like, crazy. Uh, it's funny because Spencer, like, what? Um, there was I was really busy the other day and was trying to some communication back and forth. Like, oh, I, oh, we got to get together with you guys because we're gonna do a show. But you know, it's like we're gonna talk about rock and roll for an hour. Don't worry about it. We can do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew, I knew, you see, Holly doesn't know this, but I, we had lunch, Judith and I had lunch with Tony and uh, Diego, and uh, I noticed something about Tony is amazing. He had, on, his head was filled with stories. I mean, it's like you could write a 10-volume set of anything. Like Matt Pinfield's like that. Matt Pinfield has <laughs> Matt, so many stories. Matt Pinfield is great. We went Pinfield on, we went on his like, show in San Francisco, yeah. He might see you. There's so many stories that you both have like that, you know what I mean, in your head, through your life. Well, can you, can you imagine myself, Matt Pinfield, Stephen <laughs> Blush, and, oh. and, uh, and Mike Borden of Faith No More, where you did a radio show to promote <laughs> New York Rock? We talked for two hours, and then really? after that, we talked for oh a couple more hours after the show about <laughs> rock and roll, just because we love it. And uh, Matt Pinfield actually went to school with Stephen Blush. They were childhood friends, and really? they used to have a bit. And they used to have a rock band called the Flemington Furs. And I have wow. a couple of their, rec- I have a couple of their recordings. And uh, yeah. so those yeah. guys go way back. And uh, Matt's amazing. He's a super rock and roll guy. I love him. Great guy. He's a beautiful guy. He's a, he's been very a big thing in my life. He's a very wonderful guy. Yeah. But Spencer, wow. yourself, like you know, gosh, I feel like I've dominated this whole conversation. But Spencer, you you certainly have a lot show, to say man. about rock. You certainly have a lot to say about rock and roll. That's for sure, man. You've oh, done a lot. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor to have you say that uh, in my heart. Wow. And uh, Holly all. and I have been in- very dedicated to uh, pop culture and music and film and right what on. else, Holly? And, Ju- and Judith, for that matter. Judith, for that matter, too. Judith's a big one. Judith's a big one. She's so. fantastic. I'm going to be dropping, definitely, Judith. We miss her. And I'm going to be dropping my wiki soon, and you'll be impressed, you know. 
talking about fashion. I went to Moore. I went to Moore. No, I went to Moore in Philadelphia. So I studied fashion illustration, and then I ended up at RADA. So, um, oh, okay. You know, okay. studying set design. So it was really interesting. So, you know, for me, then I modeled for years, and then I got into, uh, you know, what I'm doing now, basically really in the entertainment industry, but I met pretty much everyone and anyone you could think of. You know, I can imagine and living in Europe imagine. and living in Europe. But you know what? I haven't been exposed to um, the punk rock scene as much, even though I was in in the UK and over there. But I was a young adult back then. It was like, you know, it was a whole different thing. But I did end up meeting mm-hmm. the Clash because um, I was working Circle. with Mikey Dread. So. You know, and then mm-hmm. met other people that were over there that were just starting in, to bring it over, as Spencer knows, like how it all started yeah. really here in the reggae industry, believe, too. Yeah, I can't believe Go that ahead. Joe Strummer's been gone 15 years. I had a, That's um, crazy. He was a really, really, love, yeah. he was a really lovely guy, and uh, mm-hmm. I got to meet him through uh, a good friend of ours, um, Barry Myers, is a DJ. He's known as DJ Scratchy. He was in the the brood boy with the clash. He was, he DJed a lot mm-hmm. of big punk shows, uh, uh, in England with the, with the, uh, the damned and, and, uh, all mm-hmm. kinds of bands, but he, he was the clash DJ. Like he would go on before yeah. them Absolutely. as the DJ be like yeah. Bo Diddley, scratchy. And then the clash. And then, so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, scratchy stayed with us. And when Joe Strummer came and did those, um, shows at St. Anne's warehouse, we went out there with him. We hung out with Joe Strummer and, Mick Jones was at one of the shows, and they ended up playing Amazing. together again in a- England. Mm-hmm. And they were gonna they were gonna reform and all that. And uh, it was really heartbreaking when he passed away. But you know, Joe Strummer, I was walking on a side street one time, and this guy came up and grabbed me. And he said, "Hey, you're Scratchy's mate." And I was like, "Joe, wow!" And you know, he's like, "Let's go have a pint." And we went to a bar oh, and had wow. a drink and. You know, he's that kind of guy. I mean, Joe Strummer was an amazing mm-hmm. guy. He was really yeah. cool. And uh, he, he, he talked to me a lot about Ramones and stuff, too. He loves Ramones, too. He's a great guy. We had uh, wow. Tony, one of the shows that Holly, Holly, remember this show we had in 2010? We were honored to have Tommy Ramone on. Remember that? Oh, one? yeah, he Tommy was great. On, we did Tony. one of the very last interviews with Tommy that he had yeah. done uh, before. What a great yeah. guy. He went to the guy. next place. And yeah. he was so he's humble. Yeah, he was on the uh, Kastabi show with Uncle Monk with his wife, and they were great, yeah. you know. And uh, he's such a talented person. He is playing beautiful mandolin and yeah, he's exactly. full of the cool right. career. Tommy was great, and he was the engineer on a lot of this stuff too. And he actually mm-hmm. played, even played some of the some of the lead guitar on some of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. He's a super mm-hmm. talented guy. I like Tommy a lot. We it's learned. Really, it's we learned. It's funny about the Ramones yeah, we because so the, much. Yeah. the Ramones was such a uh, strange band because I was friends with all of them. I guess the least probably Johnny. I did meet him a few times, but uh, uh, all the other guys, they were very, you know, you couldn't like be friends with the other ones. They were, they always had this big like conflict within each other and not so much Tommy. He pretty much stayed out of it and he, he left the band early on, um, you know, and, and Mark got in there, but uh, I, I liked Tommy a lot. He was, he was, he was a really sweet guy. That was a real, that was a big loss. Yeah. And it, and it was really very sad much. Last, it was very sad and heartbreaking to be at the last CBGB shows, sitting with Hilly Crystal, and he's saying, 
I wish that the Ramones could play or the Dead Boys could play. You know, it's pretty heartbreaking. Oh. Because you know oh. now you know all the all the original Ramones are gone, and of course Steve Vader's passed away. But you know, Cheetah Cheetah continues on, and these other guys continue on. Uh, I got, yeah, uh, Holly, uh, I got to tell you something. We're going to have Danny Garcia who's doing the film on Steve Vader's right now. We're going to have him on our show mm-hmm. when the film comes oh, great. out. Great. So that's coming down That'll the line. Cool. Yeah, Steve Vader's well, doing a movie that now. Well, you know what I want to do is um, I'd like to invite Tony back when his book drops. Definitely. And, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. What yep. What else are you currently working on right now, Tony, besides the book? Because I know that you multitask. Uh, so I know there's more than yeah, one the, thing. Yeah, the book. Um, <laughs> going to be doing a going to be doing a fashion line. Um, yeah, I knew it. Working That's on a right, couple other closed. products. Yeah, going to be yeah. a couple other things coming down the pike with Stephen Blush. You're going to hear about. And uh, I've been recording a little bit here and there. I haven't played that many live shows. I haven't had the time to do it, but I did play at the Mark Boland thing because I love T-Rex and, and uh, what that charity stands for, uh, the, the Mark Boland School of Film and Music. And um, mm-hmm. I played with uh, Drew Stone at one of the events because he's a cool guy and everyone in that band is great. Drew's a and, trip. Um, we love him. Yeah, Drew. and everyone in that band mm-hmm. is very cool. Oh, wait a minute. You know what we missed out on? i tell you what we missed out on. You curated some shows in New York, right? Uh, yeah, well, I curated a great art show at One Art Space last summer uh, for a very talented guy named Louis Gasparro. His, uh, his um, graffiti name is KR1. Yeah, I was he there. Has, he has, yeah, I went there. Yeah, and you came. And he has two books out. One of his books is about Don Juan, who was, who was a, a very influential um, graffiti artist in Astoria. And Louis Gasparro is from Astoria, Queens. He, he's not only been doing graffiti since the 70s, but mm. he's also a very, very talented drummer, and he was a drummer in Murphy's Law, and he was the drummer in uh, Psycho 69 and a number of other bands, Supervillain. And uh, he's got a new band that's going to be coming out called Stark Attacked. So look mm. for that. He's super talented, and he's a great oh. graffiti artist. And he's also going to be on... Um, uh, Luke Cage, uh, he he got he got a role on a TV series acting. Really? Um, oh, how cool! Uh, play, playing uh, playing um, playing a gang lord. Yeah, too. I've been in a couple. I've been in a couple of things. I was in a film uh, called Swim Little Fish Swim that mm. was uh, produced mm-hmm. by this French couple, uh, Ruben Amar and uh, Lola Bessis, and that won a lot of awards. It won the Gen Art Best Film Award. It was uh, shown in. Um, in all over France and all over Brazil. It came out here too. I wow. saw it in the theater here too. Swim Little Fish Swim. It's a it's a cool little like slice of life film. I, I played a, a record producer and um it was fun. It was fun and uh it was a different thing to try to do that, you know, try to act. Uh, but, you know, I was just myself. They just wanted someone who's a character and I guess I'm a character. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can catch that Swim Little Fish Swim. It was on Netflix for a long time. I don't know if it's oh, still cool. is. And I was in the squeeze box movie just playing with Jane County. And I was also in the, there's a film about Mark Kasabi called Con Artist. And I mm. was in that. You can show me, uh, Ching Michelle Gondry, some drum tips. And uh, you can catch me in the, the Con Artist oh, cool, Mark Kasabi cool. film, too. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, a little bit. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's been a couple yeah, films made on that. Mark, but, yeah. yeah, that's one of them. And uh, so yeah, I, curate, I curated that show at One Art Space, and I'm I'm gonna do some more. Uh, try You're to gonna be involved in with us. I'll tell you the vinyl show that Judith That's and I great. are doing. 
Yeah, that's we want great. you to get involved um, with our show. You know that. So that's going to be a big well, show in New York. That's very cool. It's going to be a fun show. I mean, you did those cool books, and uh, you definitely know about rock and roll. So that's going to be – I can imagine who's going to show up at that thing. So that could be incredible. Well, that's why we're bringing you in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, well, very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. Sure. And thank you guys for for your time and everything. I really appreciate. It. Oh yeah. No, we fun. love having. We love you. We love having you love here. You. And thank I wanted to say really quickly, um, if anyone missed the beginning of the show with Tony Mann, the show will be available again on iTunes as a podcast and immediately afterwards on the Red Velvet Media Network as a podcast. Um, and also, Tony, really quickly, I wanted to say there are a lot of people in the chat room. Um, and I wanted to say to you, oh, yeah? uh, could you give your website okay. out real quick? Um, well, I'm on Facebook as Tony Man, and yeah. I'm on Instagram as uh, Man Thirteen Wolf. And I don't really have a website right now. I, I was I, my my clothing line I used to call Werewolf, W E A R W O L F, N Y C. Oh, nice. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it probably put something up pretty soon because I have the. Uh, fashion line coming out so i'm going to start getting out there a little bit more good doing that but but kind of everything I comes totally to me i don't i don't really have that. to advertise for it i kind of don't have to advertise like a lot of stuff is going on so i'm kind of trying to manage my time but um people can reach out to me and uh thanks to anybody who's out there listening and um yeah you can there's a lot of the stuff i've played on is on youtube or you know itunes for sure i mean Played on a lot of recordings. We didn't really get into that too much, but 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 um for for a number of years I was was with Flying Sixty Nine, Electric Monster. You can check out that Didi Ramon Youth Gone Mad album. I was with the band She Wolves for years, you know, which was a really cool band. And She Wolves is the band that became, you know, um, you know we we'd end up supporting other people. Like we'd play with Jane County, we'd play with Sylvain, we recorded stuff for you know Fuzz Tones and all this kind of people so um you know uh my music is out there but i'm gonna do um an album of my own music as well i've been working on some of it so working with albert bouchard and some other people and try to straighten out some song ideas i have and um i did put out an ep through paul Costabi's label um a few years ago and it was called the strange world of tony wolfman and uh that was some electronic music but um, I'm gonna have some, you know, gonna have some all different kind of music on my album. So starting to work on that. That's a little amazing. Bit Thanks. You know, yeah, Excellent. no, but we want to say we are so happy that you're here. Um, and uh, I know Spencer and I really love doing this interview because you like really are great. You're great. <laughs> you know how to just fill in Thank all you the. So much. I'm trying to think, Spencer, is there anything that um, you wanted to talk about before we end the show? The only thing I want to bring up, I'll uh, make two announcements. There's one, the Bowery Electric show tomorrow night with the Dictators, which is going to be unbelievable. And then the Joseph Arthur, Arthur, our friend, and he's been on our show, a great visionary artist. He's playing, as he does every year, at the winery New Year's Day or New Year's Night, I mean. Uh, New Year's nice. Day night. So uh, nice. those are two big things I just wanted to kind of punch in there. But otherwise, I think I think we have Tony's life one in our show here, Holly. I think we did it. <laughs> <That's> very good. <laughs> up to now, up to now, only up to now, <laughs> right? So right, no, to be continued. Absolutely. So. 
You know, I think that it's just amazing, you know, your background. I want to say that I'm just kind of really impressed, and I know Spencer is as well, and I know he knew a lot of your background already, but, I mean, this is, like, so cool just to hear that you have such a passion for so many things that are just well, thanks. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely passionate. That's for sure. That's and what I, makes I think you that, um, oh. thank you, thank you. But you know, God, you guys are no slouch either. And uh, congratulations on having this show and for ten years, it's very cool. Isn't and, uh, it awesome, Spencer? It's Spencer, awesome. Spencer, I appreciate all you doing for rock and roll too, man. You're out there like we're trying. You guys trying. are both out there championing other people and uh, putting the word out. So that's true. that's important to have a forum to talk about this kind of stuff. You know, that is so true, and I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, my mission statement is really all about bringing about an awareness through, um, you know, in a spiritual essence, um, you know, music, love, pop culture, and and Mm. we want to bring out all the things that maybe people didn't know. And we have had so many people on the show that, just are, are iconic people, you know, in their own realm, and people that mm-hmm. haven't got that people didn't know exactly who they might be, but um, right. you know, then they learned. So that's really what's cool oh, yeah. about doing these shows, you know. And uh, again, we want to yeah. thank you because you've been there you. and been in some situations that are just. You had to be there, kind of thing, you know, to talk about well, it. Well, yeah, that's so. that's kind of been my life. That's kind of been my life. And then the more, the more that I kind of, um, you know, it's funny because I was showing Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. We knew him kind of before he got famous, before he had the Eternal Sunshine movie and everything, and he would come on the Kastabi show, and he's a drummer. So I tried to show him some, give him some drumming tips. But funny, funnily enough, he told me, you know, he got a lot of good drumming gigs from making videos and movies like he made a video for Paul McCartney and he got to play drums in it at the end. And he made a movie with uh, Booker T and the MGs and he got to play with Booker T. So um, he said, Oh, I get my best drumming gigs now from my movies. So now that I was working oh, on wow. books and movies and things like for instance, the lost rockers, um, one of the bands in lost rockers was lightning Raiders. And that was a band with gas wild and Johnny Hodge. It was a really cool band in England that uh, really should have been a huge band. And through a political thing, their album got dropped. But um, Gas Wild is a local legend here. And I I met him years ago in Boston. And uh, I got to play in the – we made a version of Lightning Raiders um, as part of the Lost Rockers film and everything. And so I got to, you know, play with that. And that was a real honor. And then as well, um, through Gas, Gas was friends with – with Lemmy since 1971. And so, oh, you know, wow. I got to, you know, got to meet Lemmy a number of times and hang out and he, oh, you know, yeah, that's heavy. we went to interview him for the film and we got to go hang out with him every time he came to town, basically. And, uh, he was a great guy and that's a big loss. And that's a very important musician, I think too, is Lemmy. And, uh, he, he crossed a lot of, uh, crossed a lot of lines, uh, you know, all genres, like everybody likes Lemmy. You could be punk, you could be metal, you could be rock and roll, you could be whatever. And, you know, you can still, the guy crosses all boundaries. So that's uh, yeah, yeah. a lot to be said. I'm just saying that because I just see, you know, 
mm-hmm. been the anniversary of his birth birthday and when he passed away recently. So he was a little bit on the mind, but Lemmy was a guy that was like a very special person. Uh, and uh, oh, nobody wow. like him for sure. Nobody I like saw, him. I saw sure. a great documentary on Lemmy Tony uh, on TV. There was oh, a, yeah. there's a doc out on him. That's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. Wes Orchowski made a really, really good uh, documentary on Lemmy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Someone gave me a book I'm reading on him right now too. So it's interesting. Some things I didn't know about Lemmy that were kind of funny. And uh, you know, uh, he's he was certainly lived a life, man. No doubt. Hey, listen. I before I get off here, I just want to thank uh, myself. I want to thank Holly personally for having me on all these years and. To the new year, Holly, uh, for us, and mm-hmm. bring on more guests, more great guests like Tony, and um, and well, I want to you. thank you very much for having me on all these years. Okay. Oh no, absolutely. It's, it's you know, it's like <laughs> it was so funny. You said you one day. Oh goodness, let me extend the show again. I remember one day when I <laughs> dropped and good old blog talk radio dropped my call and Spencer was like, Oh my god, she's gone, what do I say? But now it's like <laughs> you know you know what to do. So it's like Yeah carried on the torch. So um, right. you know, I right. definitely That's wanna great. thank both you That's and fun. Judith and I also um wanna say that I'm so grateful for all the friendships and all the relate, all the new friends and talent and 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 things that I never would have ever been exposed to, um, or not exposed to, but known about in detail. And uh, I want to thank you for that, and thank both you guys, Judith, and you, you know everyone else that comes on. And uh, our pop culture news, we uh, definitely love doing that. We'll be you know doing that and coming into that and talking more about that next year. Yep. Wow, it's so weird to say next year. It's like <laughs> it's <laughs> like right around the corner. Like. So, Next you know, week. I, I know, I know. Well, you know, people are already starting, you know, everybody, the roads are just packed. It's a long weekend. So right. I want to stay off the road. To everyone out there, as Spencer knows, I like to say, please do not drink and drive. Um, That's right. You know, especially. Hey, wait a minute, Holly, drive. I got to tell you something. You know, it's in the news oh, go, about go, go, cannabis go. in California legalized. It is, yeah, it's all legalized. So what is this but, about? Smoke? Um, what about smoking and driving? That's going to be a trip too, right? You think? Uh, I don't know. Um, that's a whole other matter it's gonna, together. I I don't think I don't think that's going to happen, and yeah, I really I don't. I for some yeah. reason I just have a feeling that's just not going to happen. And you know, we just survived all the fires out here, so we're getting oh, through yeah. that and we're rebuilding. And oh, that was um, incredible! Wow, horrifying. Yeah, uh, well, Holly was you know, off the air for a while. I mean, you were with a gas mask, Holly, or something. You had a mask uh, on. You had to leave your house. And, I'd wear a respirator. Yeah. And, oh my uh, god! Yeah, you were really that, bad shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. and I remember being outside, wetting my house down. I think ta- Tony, you and I uh, talked about this last night. It was so what was a trip. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, friends that have pretty, places out there. My friends that have places out there, yeah. and they stay narrowly avoided the fires uh, twice now. Oh yeah. So you know, they but uh, hopefully the next time, next time I come out there, I can get to get together and 
yeah. some other people out there. That'd be really fun. Hey, listen. Too. By the way, Tony Holly is the greatest cook. I don't. I want to get into this, but she is. <laughs> she's on the verge of doing a cookbook. I, Tony, I can't tell Great. you. I get on the Good phone idea. with her. Her cooking is oh, yeah. unreal. Un. I can't I even describe it. it. It's not beyond words. Her cooking. <laughs> well, that's good. You're no. so funny. You're so it's true. funny. True. I didn't even. We didn't. We didn't even talk about food in this show until now. So. <laughs> Nah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other subject. Maybe next time. No, (laughs) no, we're gonna make time right now. (laughs) (laughs) I got I got turned on to something new this year. Um, Really? It was uh, some new Italian food. um, Believe it or not, that I have never had, even being in Europe. I can't remember what it is, but I did get to learn how to make brujol this year. So. Wow. Um, wow. Oh, my God. Real okay. homemade brujol with a really thin uh, uh, pounded um, steak and uh, the mozzarella and the basil, well. and then oh you, roll, you roll it up, you know. Well, you're going to make some, you're gonna make some friends it. with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put the string around it and put it in the bottom of your homemade marinara. And then Ooh, once the wow. marinara is done in three good. or four hours, you take it out and slice it like a little pinwheel. So you mm, put it on the good. plate on either pasta or just with the marinara. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> All right. Everyone's getting hungry now. Everybody's getting hungry now. I know. I know. Holly, when Holly talks, <laughs> people eat. When Holly talks, people eat. That's what I got to say. Oh, oh and you know, out here, you know, out here, it's really funny. I was talking to um, – Oh, I wanted to wish my um, second mom a very happy birthday coming up. She has a birthday oh, cool. coming up in another day. Happy birthday. So I wanted to okay. wish her a happy birthday. Okay. But happy we birthday. were talking about white pizzas because out here in California, white oh, wow. pizza is a big deal. And what oh, really? they do here, yeah, you know what they do? They make the pizza with white, you know, it's all cheese and it's either has a ruler or a pear and right. gorgonzola or whatever. But they put a salad on top of the pizza. Like, wow. you know, a, a arugula or something. And the combination of it is unbelievable. It's mm. so crazy. Like, you could get, like, a chicken pizza and then have a salad on the top of it, and then it's oh, just so wow. unbelievable. But anyway, that's, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other time we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so I want to wish everyone out there listening today a happy new year and um if you'd like to listen to any of our past shows, we are on iTunes. Um, and uh, we have, let's see, gosh, so many shows up. I think I have over six or 700 shows now up. And um, listen to them. There are just some there that, yeah, that, you know, even the Tommy Ramone show is on there. So, Great. you know, a lot of people listen to that. But, um Happy New Year to I'm everyone. Gonna, I'm going to I'm going to listen to that. So happy New Year yeah. to Holly and Tony and uh, everybody out there. Happy New Year yeah. and then uh that's a good point Spencer like go out and support live music. Go out and see bands if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bands got to support it. That's right. You got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh with that since we weren't able to get the song that we really originally wanted to play i'm going to end our show with a song called burning down the bowery by whom who, who our favorite little friend is jesse mallon all right <laughs> <Jesse Mallon. laughs> very cool 
If it, Very if cool. it works, is that is that okay with you, Tony? Absolutely. Yeah. To play that? Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well happy new year. But, uh, happy all the best new year, guys. That. See you, see you later. Again. See you next year. Best, I'll see you soon. See you next, see you next year. year. Rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> Rock okay, and roll, Have definitely. a good one, guys. You Let's too. See. Let's hope this plays. I know. Let's see. Hopefully it plays.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.